is coming up. Let's go. It's going to be amazing. Uh, listen, if you are married, if you are engaged, or you've been dating for a really long time, but the dude just keeps not bringing out a ring, uh, then the EXO conference is available to you. Last year, we made space for about uh, 70, 80 people to be here. This year, we're expanding that a little bit more, making space for about 100, 120 people to be here, learning and growing in their marriage. So if you haven't registered, don't drag your feet like a deadbeat. Get registered. Uh, start planning the day. Make sure you got a babysitter all lined up. It's going to be super practical. You will laugh. You will be challenged. And more importantly, you will grow together in your relationships. So I want to encourage you to come and do that. Uh, last thing that I want to mention before we jump into the word today. Um, is making sure that you are signed up and are receiving our weekly communications that we send out as a church. If you're not, um, or if you're unsure if you are, uh, you can text the keyword news, N-E-W-S, to our text line, 620-604-9280. Um, and you can get signed up to make sure not only text alerts, but emails that we send out each week. And the reason I'm mentioning that is um, here in the next week and two, we have some really important announcements that we're going to be sharing over email with you. And you don't want to be left out. You will want to know these things. So make sure um, you're signed up and are looking for that in the coming week. Sound good? Awesome. Well, hey, let's do this. Let's stand if you are able, whether in the room and if you're watching online and able to stand, please stand. Grab your Bible or turn your attention to the screen. We're going to read today's corporate reading in person, live, and all together. It'll be on the screen. We read the scriptures and read and, and say these things each week to remind us as a church, as a family, where we're going. And that's towards Jesus allowing his word and the people of God around us to form a fidelity of allegiance to Jesus alone. And we get to stand with our bodies and honor that and participate in that each week. And so we're going to read together Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. We're going to read through verse 38. It's on the screen. Come on. It's the 11 o'clock, so get nice and loud as we read together. Are you ready? Let's go. It says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Jesus, we thank you that this is your word. It's true. Help us have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive all that you're saying and doing and asking that we respond to today. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, you can be seated. I, uh, I believe that over the last several years that there has been a shift that has occurred in not just our church, but a shift that has occurred kind of globally or worldwide. 
um, churches all over, I think, have been experiencing, excuse me, this, this shift. I think that there is an element of awareness that Jesus has been bringing to his church that faith is not just about believing strong, minimizing doubt and like professing the promises of God. I believe that we've become and more and more aware that faith is more about practicing the way of Jesus and embodying the life and the teachings of Jesus as we move towards him in full allegiance. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't believe certain things. We absolutely do. It just means that we don't settle for having proper belief but continue to live improper lives. It means that we're not sitting back saying, well, I'm just going to pray a prayer. I'm going to get grace and forgiveness, but I'm going to continue to call myself a Christian who lives carnally however I desire to. There's been a shift. In fact, there's been a shift in the life and the body of the church where I think we've experienced and will continue to experience an element of pruning and purifying with those who call themselves Christians. We've seen this even in the results of what's happened post-COVID. Uh, people who were highly engaged and participated in church have yet to return or have rejected altogether the idea of following Jesus, that he is king. Many have re-engaged in a powerful way and some, many, many people have found faith for the very first time and are just now beginning to be awakened to what does it mean to follow Jesus and to hold true? What does it look like to have faith? Many people are just experiencing it. And one of the things that I think has happened and will continue to happen in the life of uh, the church globally, but definitely it's happened here among us, is that there is becoming an awareness and a, and a purging or a pruning or a pulling away of just this casual consumer mindset as an approach to Jesus. As if Jesus is just some sort of commodity where we pray one magical prayer and get a get out of hell free card. There's something more to it. There's no longer an element where we can look at the kingdom of God with a casual affinity, but rather a full-fledged allegiance to Jesus and Jesus alone. We know that the New Testament speaks that in the last days, dark is going to get darker and light is going to get lighter. We know that the scripture says in the New Testament that there's even going to be kind of a purging and a falling away, that, that Jesus will return, but he wants to return for a church that is full of his holiness. That doesn't mean that we live perfect, but it does mean that we live in right relationship with him. That there is a posture of our life that isn't about promise me this, promise me that, God, where it's about me, 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 God, what can you do for me? But rather a posture that says, God, it's about you. How can I practice following your ways, your truth? It's about you, you, you. There's been a shift. E even here in, in our local church, you, you may have recognized that for many, many years, it was normal for us at the end of our services to end with a moment of response where we would give what many would call in the church an altar call. 
where we'd say, if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus and you're tired of sinning and you want to follow him, pray this prayer out, out and we'd all pray it together. And then we'd have you raise your hand and we'd celebrate that you made a commitment to follow Jesus. Is there anything wrong with that? No, not, not, not so ever. But for many years now, for a few years, we have not done that at the end of our service. Why? Because we don't want people to go to heaven? No, quite the opposite, actually. We've just kind of made a conscious decision that we're not going to try to manipulate a moment, but rather continually invite you to the table, which requires your repentance. It requires us to not just respond emotionally to something, but rather to make an, 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 an intentional decision to change how I think, that's repentance, and change the direction I'm moving in my life, that's towards God and away from me. There is a realization that is coming to the people of God where I believe that we recognize the kingdom is here and we can't have one foot in the kingdom of darkness and one foot in the kingdom of light and expect to stay standing when storms show up. It's starting to get uncomfortable straddling both. In fact, I can't do it any longer. <laughs> Jeans are a little too tight for that. It's not how we were meant to live. And Jesus showed up announcing the kingdom, saying the kingdom of God is here. The king is coming. I'm here to announce good news to everyone and everywhere. But you have to make an intentional decision to walk the way of the kingdom or walk the way of your own carnal flesh trying to do it your own way. And there is a difference and there is a distinction and there is a choice. And this shift that has taken place in the body of Christ at large, where we recognize it's not about just, just believing something and then going and living however we want. Rather, we believe something, therefore we embody something and we live his way no matter what. This is the shift. And it's a shift similar to, to one of the parables Jesus tells in uh, the Gospels where he says that there is a sifting away between the wheat and the tares. There's a difference between the wheat and the chaff. Stuff that is wasted and is going to get burned away in your life and stuff that has substance and satisfaction and is representative of the kingdom. Perhaps that's why Jesus comes and in this gospel, which we just read in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus says, hey, um, the harvest is really great. Just take a look, fellas. Look, look around the wheat fields. Oh, it's ready to harvest. What is Jesus wanting to say to us today as a body? What, what is it that that's this passage trying to get at? Well, let me give it, you the entire sermon in one sentence. For those of you that are bottom line people and don't need the extra fluff, here's the entire sermon in one sentence. Are you ready? Here it is. The harvest is ready. It requires hard work and Jesus needs workers. This is what Jesus wants to say to us today. The harvest, oh, it's ready. Oh, but it, it does require some hard work. Oh, and not only does it require some hard work, um, folks, there, there's need for laborers to come and work the harvest. There's people who need to work 
the harvest. The harvest is ready. In other words, everywhere you go, there are people who need to hear the announcement that the kingdom of God has come near, that Jesus is risen and he's alive. And there's some good news attached to that that gives us an eternal hope. And that there is an invitation that anyone can accept the invitation to come and enter the kingdom of God by taking and making a decision to lay down your life and instead to pick up the life of Christ. This is the invitation of the kingdom. Jesus went everywhere teaching the kingdom about the good news and then he demonstrated the kingdom. Why? Because it's not just an announcement that we hear and believe in truth but there was a demonstration of what the kingdom looks like that Jesus did. Why did Jesus demonstrate what the kingdom looked like? For the same reason that faith in Jesus doesn't look like just something that is said that you repeat but rather something that you embody and you demonstrate and live out on the daily why because everywhere you go there's harvest people need to see what it looks like to love jesus with all their heart soul mind and strength on facebook and tiktok people need to see what it looks like to love the lord with all their heart soul mind and strength at the bank when you're doing business People need to see what it looks like to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength while you're on the assembly line sweating your life away, working hard. Because families need to see what the kingdom of God looks like in our education system. The harvest is everywhere. In fact, Romans says it like this, that the earth itself is groaning with anticipation for the day where the sons and daughters of God would arrive and appear and be seen. The earth wants to see the kingdom come again. The earth is tired of the brokenness. They're tired of the sickness. They're tired of the fighting. They're tired of the bitterness. They're tired of those things. They're waiting for a different way. They're waiting for a new kingdom, a counterculture arrival of the people of God to show a different way forward. They're tired of people sitting back and just critiquing everything. They're looking for the harvest to show up and people show up and say, I'm ready to participate in this thing it's it's everywhere people are everywhere need to hear the good news of the gospel we say it like this here at faith church we bring faith to life where everywhere we live that's where we want to bring faith to life we want to bring this agreement and acknowledgement that jesus is king and an allegiance to him as king in every place we go with our life, we bring faith to life. We live it. We demonstrate it. We're, we're, we're always modeling it. Come on. Your life is the red carpet one way. You just work what he gave you. <laughs> and in case you're wondering what he gave you, he gave you his spirit and his life and his mercy and his grace and his compassion and his power and his authority and his love and his family. That's what he gave you. The harvest is ready and it requires hard work, which is why most of us don't participate because it's inconvenient. It's not on our timetable. Many of us don't participate because we don't think that we have what it takes to participate. 
We feel ill-equipped to participate. We think that we haven't been walking with God long enough, that we haven't been, uh, 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 we don't have enough knowledge, we haven't got our act together enough, we haven't cleaned up enough, we haven't fixed it enough, we haven't done this enough. And the reality is, friends, you actually are never fully prepared for the harvest that God has and he's asking you to participate. The harvest is everywhere. It's everywhere. It's ready, but it requires hard work. Harvest is hard work. Now, truth be told, this doesn't come as a surprise to most of you. Um, I've never actually participated in a wheat harvest. I know, shocking. I've actually never ridden on a tractor. I know, shocking. Like if I owned a tractor, my wife would think it was sexy, but I don't own a tractor, so we got to figure out another way to make that happen. Like I... I've never, it's true, I've never participated in a harvest, uh, but I did watch a lot of YouTube videos this week. Because <laughs> when you don't know, you just kind of like, hey. And here's what, I, here's what I discovered and what I know many of you have firsthand experience in. Harvest just doesn't automatically happen. You have to not only be prepared for it, you have to anticipate when it's ready. Because if you're not anticipating when it's ready, you're going to miss it entirely. And it's going to cost you something. There's going to be a loss on your end. The harvest is everywhere and we get to participate. Now, it is true. In our modern day, in our, in our time, the, the, the air-conditioned cabs and the big combines, it does make harvesting a little easier, but it's still hard work. And you can't do it by yourself. Jesus said, the harvest is ready, it's hard work, and I need laborers to show up and work. I need blue-collar people who are willing to roll up their sleeves and put a little sweat equity into the kingdom of God, announce it, and live it out. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people to help me harvest this thing so that we don't waste what the time, the season, the time that is here, the time that is now. Jesus needs workers. Jesus doesn't need more foremans. Jesus doesn't need more sideline critics as to how he should be, how his church should be harvesting. He doesn't need more church critics. He doesn't need more experts. He needs laborers. He needs workers. He needs disciples. He needs followers. You recognize that he never says he needs more believers. Go through the gospels. Very rarely does Jesus refer to you and I as believers. That's way too passive for what he needed. You know what he needed? He needed followers. He needed workers. He needed laborers. He needed disciples. Way more action than absent. Way more participation than spectating. Jesus needs workers, not more fans, not more people like, oh, I'll just love Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, you go, church. Oh, I just love what God's doing. Oh, it's just so good. Now, he needs you to not just be so good, but to step forward and say, here am I, what can I do? Show me what row you need me to harvest. Let me participate. Jesus is after this sense of discipleship. Friends, this is, this is our entire focus this year as a church. Faith 2.0 is this awareness and understanding in us that there is a renewal towards discipleship, a renewal towards participation. This is why we last year talked about practicing the way of Jesus because it's something that we do. It's not something we sit back and analyze. We are activated to participate in this life called following him, this serving him. And so many of us feel like it's too late for me or I don't have enough what it takes. Our theme verse this year is 2 Timothy 2, 2. Here, why? Because it's 2022. That's why 2 Timothy 2, 2. 
Actually, that's not true at all. It just happened to work out really cool that way because God's pretty smart. You know what 2 Timothy 2.22 says? I almost added like seven twos there. Like two, 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 two. Second Timothy 2, 2 says, you have heard and seen in me many truths. Now teach those truths to other people who are trustworthy, reliable, and faithful so that they can teach those things to other people. Discipleship and following Jesus is not about accumulation of knowledge and doctrine and things. It's about accumulating to distribute, not accumulating to hoard. It's about accumulating that which you have learned. Jesus is saying, now I expect you to help someone else learn that too. But I don't have it all figured out. No, 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 no. But what have you learned? Teach that to someone else so that they can know what you know. And then you've now made more room to know more things. And the more you know, the more you can pass on to others. Why? Because following Jesus and harvesting the kingdom and being a part of the harvest and being a laborer in the harvest is not about just gaining more knowledge, feeling socially acceptable, and having Sunday be your new social club. This is not a rotary club. This is the family of God, the people of God, and eternity is at stake. And if you're looking to just write a check and sit back and be like, yes, I'm a fan of church, I love church, and not get off your backside and participate in the harvest, Jesus says, nah, dog. Because if serving is beneath you, the kingdom of God is beyond you. If serving is too inconvenient for you, the kingdom of God it's too inconvenient for you. I love that there is a passion in this house for people to serve. I love that there are pathways for you to grow in your faith. Things like fresh start pathway, for example, where you can begin to learn what the Bible teaches and says. And when you get done going through the fresh start pathway, you know what you can do? Help someone else go through the fresh start pathway. You don't even have to teach all the information. You just need to show them how to type in their email address to access all the information. You're participating in discipleship. This is why we have things like growth track, which happens on the first Sunday, second Sunday, and third Sunday of every month. Why? Because it's a way for you to come and hear about what it looks like in the family to help be a harvester in this house so that you can participate in the harvest that's coming and showing up in this house. And we have a church full of people who serve so faithfully in so many ways who have made a decision that serving will not be beneath them. We have medical professionals, people who have got degrees and make good money, and every week, you know what they do? They get down on their hands and knees and build blocks with toddlers and teach them the word of God because serving isn't beneath them. 
We have business owners who make really expensive decisions all week long, help you find a seat, open the door for you, and stand at you exit the sanctuary with a wicker basket and a trash bag collecting your empty communion cups. Why? Because serving isn't beneath them. They are laboring in the harvest that Jesus said is here and available to them. We have people who teach children all week long at school, who work in daycare all week long at school. And on Sunday, you know what they do? They show up and they teach kids the word of God and they lead a small group. Because serving's not beneath us. It's just what we do as we participate in the kingdom of God. Serving isn't beneath us. I think about people like Tina. Tina, who's been serving and helping people take next steps in this church longer than I've been the pastor of this church. She was serving before I got here. Who knows? Maybe she'll still be serving long after I've exited this life. I have no idea. But you know what I know about her heart? She wants to help you take a next step. And there's very few people in this room who have not been impacted or influenced in her eagerness, friendliness, and willingness to just help you take your next step. You know what? She actually used to stand on the stage and help people take next steps. Now, it's not beneath her. She's not looking for the limelight on the stage. She's standing in a lobby instead of a stage, helping people feel welcome and loved and know how to take their first steps towards the family and the life of God. Why? Because serving is it beneath. I think about people like Steve and Cassie Kate who show up early every week and drive a greater distance than many of us sitting in this room. They show up early, they stay late with both their kids through two services with zero complaining, with a heart to say whatever it takes to serve the kingdom of God and to labor, I'm here because they're willing to just be Blue collar enough to say, Jesus, you need laborers, sign me up, I'm in. Jesus said, the harvest is ready. It's everywhere. But I need laborers to do it. The local church is God's only plan for harvesting and growing the kingdom of God. There is no plan B. It's not about the professionals. It's about the people of God. It's about the people of God, about stepping in and stepping out and recognizing the harvest is ready. It requires hard work. And Jesus needs workers like you and like me. This is what Jesus was saying. And then I love what he does is in Matthew chapter 10, in this gospel, Matthew is writing and he says, Jesus needs workers and laborers. And then he gives us some very clear instructions from Jesus about how we participate in the harvest. About what does it look like for us to work in the harvest? What does that look like to be people who participate in the kingdom of God? What does that look like? And it starts in Matthew chapter 10 in verse 1 when he says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority. Somebody say authority. authority. He gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. He gave them authority. You know what authority that is delegated to someone looks like? It looks like an ambassador. How do we participate in the kingdom of God? We be an ambassador. Become an ambassador. 
someone who recognizes that the authority that I have came from someone else, that I'm here in this world, living around, walking, breathing my life, and I'm here representing someone else. I'm not here representing my own interests. I'm not here representing my own agenda. I'm not here representing my own priorities. I'm here representing the king's business. I'm here representing the king. I, I bear his name. And he's inviting me to be an ambassador in this world. And he says this, he says, and here he names the 12 apostles. This is the first time that they are no longer called disciples that he calls these 12 apostles. Then he lists their name. And verse five, it says, and Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give freely as you have received. He uses this phrase apostles and, and, and then he lists the 12 of them by name, which any Jewish listener or reader in those early centuries would know that there was something significant behind the number 12. See, the number 12 is itself, of course, full of meaning, one commentary says. As anyone in Jesus' world would recognize, at the heart of what Jesus was up to was his belief that through his work, God was at last renewing and restoring Israel, which traditionally had been based upon 12 tribes. But now the 12 were not just a sign that God was restoring Israel, but they were to be a part by the means of which he was going to do so. It wasn't just that God would restore Israel. It was that he wanted to use people, a family, to be sent out to be a part of the restoring of the nation and the people of God. You know what apostle means? It'll blow your mind. It's really simple, though. It just means sent one, someone who is sent. Jesus was saying, I'm bringing the kingdom of God and I'm going to restore my kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is coming near and I'm going to use normal people sent out to proclaim and participate in the kingdom of God. Not just to watch and say, oh, look, Jesus is restoring things. No, to become an active participant in helping other people understand and reconcile who Jesus is for themselves. He's looking for disciples who make disciples. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people to be an ambassador. This is what we get to do is to be an ambassador. And we get to give away something that we didn't receive. What he gave us, we give away. Freely we received, freely we give. Somebody gave us forgiveness, we give forgiveness. Somebody gave us a hug, we're willing to give hugs. Somebody gave us prayer, we're giving prayer to someone else. Someone opened the door for me, I'm opening the door for someone else. Freely I received, freely I am giving back. It's giving as freely as we received of the life of God, of the fullness of God, of the, of the family and the love of God. We're giving it back away. And you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, but, but pastor, being an ambassador is not about just serving in the church, some organizational thing. And like, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about getting outside of the four walls of the church. You're right. It is. But if God can't trust you to pray with somebody who is expecting you to be able to pray with them, how in the world can God trust you to pray with somebody outside of the walls who isn't expecting 
or believing or even may even be open to receiving. Did you notice Jesus said, go to the lost sheep of Israel first? Why? Because they were the ones who were already on the lookout for the kingdom. They were already ready for it. Friends, if we can't sacrificially serve the family of God, we will not sacrificially serve the world who needs God. Your children do not learn how to take out trash properly by working at a fast food restaurant when they're 17 years old. You know when they're supposed to learn how to take out the trash? In your home when they're seven years old. The house and the family becomes the training ground for the skills necessary to be a proper, um, to be a contributing citizen in the world around us. They learn that in your home. Why would the family of God be any different? Where I learn how to walk with somebody who I disagree with in the family, if we can't do that in the family of God, where we know that we love and there are things that we agree on, how in the world can we walk in unity and forgiveness and graciousness in a world where we've got very little in common with? How can we do that? Why? Because what we do in the house affects what we do outside the house. We learn. This is the training ground. This is the, the spot where we develop the skills and the muscles and the ability and the right teaching and the right theology. We, we learn how to share our story among people who are eagerly ready to celebrate your story of what God did so that when the time comes outside in the world and you and your coworkers are on lunch break together, you have the courage, the boldness, and had the practice in what it looks like to share your story of what God's done in your life with them. And you can do it with accuracy, with boldness, with clarity, with confidence knowing that God can you. How, how in the world? Because it all starts in the house and then it spreads out of the house. This is why we serve on serve teams. This is why we encourage you to get in small groups. Because it's on a serve team and in a small group that you get to practice hospitality with each other. How you get to practice loving one another. How you get to practice serving one another and serving the family of what God is doing. We be an ambassador. That's how we participate. Another way we participate, Jesus said, was to be unburdened. In verse 9 through 15 of chapter 10, Jesus tells them to pack really light. To, to not hold on to things, and he lives, live a very simplistic approach to this thing. Don't be, don't be too complex in what you're doing. Just be really simple about the main thing. I love this idea of simplicity, and I think for many of us, the reason we don't participate in the kingdom of God is we're too burdened down with possessions and problems. We're too burdened with possessions, and we're too burdened with problems. And Jesus is saying, I actually want you to be unburdened so that you can participate in being an ambassador, in, in laboring with us. He, he doesn't want us to be burdened down. And, and so I think that, that we need to learn to unburden ourselves with some things. I've been really fascinated in the last couple months about this idea of being a minimalist especially a minimalist as it relates to like some possessions. Because the more stuff that you have, the more stuff you have to take care of. Right, And it's not that it's wrong, not that there's not abundance and blessing that God does. He really does. But the more possessions we have, the more stuff we just have to take care of. And the more energy and the thought, and then we get consumed in the wrong things, and now we're not available for the king. 
I, I thought about even this idea of uh, what would it look like in my life. I haven't made a decision yet, so don't hold me to it. I'm just kind of, this is early, uh, just kind of uh, thinking through some things. Like, what would it look like to own five outfits for whatever season of life or season in, in, in the world that it is, like wintertime, springtime? Like, what if I only had five outfits? Right? Like, what if that was all I had? Like, my closet is full. And the hardest one for me to grapple with is shoes. Like, how? Because I've got some cool shoes that I really like. I've got, like, golf shoes. I've got lawn mowing shoes. I've got flip-flops. I've got preaching shoes. I've got non-preaching shoes. Right? Like, I got shoes for all sorts of things. Like, what, what does that mean I've got to get rid of? Because this is, oh, no, man, this is so embarrassing. This is so true, right? And, and many of you can relate. You go to the closet in the morning, you're like, what do I want to wear? If you only had five options for that season and two of them are dirty, that leaves you with three. You already narrowed down the time. I'm just saying sometimes we're overburdened on things because we add our own complexities that Jesus didn't actually say you need to have. Sometimes it's our possessions, and sometimes it's problems. We feel like our world has problems, other people are problems, and we, we think the problem is that how people will receive or respond. And Jesus says, listen, don't be burdened with how people are going to respond to you bringing the kingdom, to you being the person that God has called you to be. Just be free from that. Honor God. Live for him and watch him sort it all out in the end. That's not on you. Can I, can I tell you one of the most freeing things? One of the most, one of the things that helped me stay involved instead of burdened? Because for many of us, we, we don't want to be burdens. We, we want to be unburdened, so we just choose to be uninvolved. Because we think the more involved we get in the kingdom of God and the church and the people of God, the more burdens we'll have to carry, and it's just going to be too busy, and we've got other things that we would rather prioritize. And they're, they're true. There are other priorities that you end up having to be with. And there are other things that you reorient your life to. But one of the most freeing things was re realizing that it's not up to me how you respond to the message. It's not up to me how you respond to the truth that I preach, that I feel like God is doing. That's between you and God. But that's not on me. I don't get to carry a savior complex because I'm not the savior. I'm just a shepherd trying to help sheep who do a lot of bah-ing in your life. And you're just trying to wander around. What's going on? God's like, hey, 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 hey. This is the way that you walk. These are the greener pastures that you need. These are the still waters that I want to refresh you with. This is the pathway to following Jesus. This is it. It's so freeing. Jesus wants you to be an ambassador. He wants you to do it in an unburdened way. He wants you to be tactical and tender. What do I mean by that? I mean he wants you to be smart, not an idiot. He says be, be wise as serpent, harmless as doves. He wants you to be tactful, not harmful. He wants you to be innocent, but not gullible. He wants you to use the advantage and, and be wise in how you go about things, but stay tender as you do. If you're going to serve and be a part, can, can I just tell you that 
man, even as a church, we are very strategic in almost everything that we do. We, we, we believe in having healthy systems that help us navigate and be consistent in what we do, but we are incredibly spirit-led and flexible at the same time. But we're very intentional in what we do. Helping you, we want to remove every barrier possible to help you have an encounter with Jesus. That's why we stream our services online. Why? Because we want you to never come to church and just sit at home on your couch eating Cheetos on a Sunday morning? No. This is an easy way for you to be introduced to the life and the people of God so that then you can come and engage. It's a first look in to a lifelong engagement. We're very strategic. Why do we have our music as loud as we have it in the room? It's because we're trying to put on performance and our, our band sounds so good. We want to make sure everybody can hear it really, really loud all week long as it rings in their ears. No, we actually have earplugs available if you need them. But you know why we have it loud? Because we want you to sing and some of you can't sing. <laughs> but we know something happens in your heart and soul and spirit when you actually sing and make music to the Lord. But y'all live in a world of like joyful noise, not good sounding. And so if it's loud, you can't hear the person next to you, which means they can't hear you. So you are free to sing. It's intentional, friends. Because we want to help the harvest. We're trying to participate in the harvest. We're tactical and tender. And the last thing Jesus tells his disciples and his followers about being laborers, what does it look like to work in the kingdom? It requires that you be courageous. Twice he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He wouldn't tell you to not be afraid if there wasn't going to be something that make, would make you afraid. And many of us aren't participating we aren't really following. We haven't really surrendered our life because we're scared. Because we know it means that I actually have to give up control of something. Because it actually means that I have to start living my life his way instead of my way. It actually means that I have to stop thinking about how, I have to stop thinking about social issues, how I want to think about social issues. I have to start thinking about social issues the way Jesus' word teaches me about social issues. Something, something has to die in order that something might live. There's a reason why one of the greatest symbols of Christianity is a cross. It requires courage. The call to follow Jesus, friends, is a call to suffering and sacrifice and service. That's the way into the kingdom. Not convenience, not carnality and what feels good to me. A crucible. Uh, listen to how Jesus said it in Matthew 10. Verse 32, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. No, I came to bring peace, not peace, but a sword. 
I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than you love me, then you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And anyone who receives you receives me. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you want the relationship with God, it's about being willing to let go of the other relationships that you are idolizing, that you are trying to please, that you are trying to perform for, that you're trying to do something for. And says, God, it's you and you alone. I'm I'm here chasing after you. Does it mean those other things are bad? No. But it does mean that there's often something that happens in us where we are called to a radical countercultural life that doesn't make sense to the people in our lives. Your family, when you start really following Jesus and participating in the harvest, your family won't understand why you prioritize Jesus instead of travel sports. Your friends won't agree with your radical forgiveness of those who have wronged you. Your coworkers won't be able to stand your integrity and honesty because you're not cutting corners like the rest of them. Strangers won't understand why you're so kind to them when they've done nothing but be rude to you. Other religiously political people don't understand why you choose not to settle for the American dream and instead are too committed to seeing the kingdom of God come no matter what. They won't know. They won't understand. They won't get it. But you're saying, here's the cross. I'm willing to go towards it. I'm willing to deny my life so that I can really grab hold of the life that God has for me. And until you're willing to let go of your own life, your own agenda, your own things, Until you're willing to experience a death of sorts, you will never experience the resurrection of the life that God has promised. The harvest is everywhere. It's ready. He's just needing laborers who aren't afraid of the hard work that it requires. I want to use an example in my own life, and and I... I hesitate. I didn't even do it in the first service, but I I wanted to do it here in this service. I just, I I need you to hear this with with a great element of um, just true humility and transparency. Can you do that for me? Just interpret this in the most gracious way possible. Six years ago when uh, Amber and I felt like we heard the Lord say there's a harvest field in Fort Scott. That's where I'm sending you to work hard. There were some things um, that kind of died on the inside of me. It it required me being really willing to let go of all of the security and the assurance and and the convenience of big city living. And I know I, I like tongue-in-cheek joke about like the reality that like there's not like an agricultural bone in my body because there's really not an agricultural bone in my body. Like these are about as cowboy boots as I get. And some of you are like, did you get those in the girls section? No, I did not. <laughs> there was a great sacrifice that we knew 
was being required, but we also knew God was saying, here's your assignment, will you go? And there may not be major life change things for you, but maybe there are. And God wants you to know he will give you the courage to just keep saying yes, whatever it looks like. Because on the other side of your yes, on the other side of my family's yes was you. And not just you, but your neighbors and coworkers who have yet to encounter the loving mercy of our God. Anyone who's willing to lay down their life for the kingdom's sake, oh, they're going to find life. Y'all, I love this place. I love you. I love this community. I love... I love so much. This is home. This is it. This is home. I have no. Like, this is it. I want to be buried. I have no desire to be buried anywhere else than in the pond of hole 15 in our golf course. That's it. Just drop me there. I had to do something to get the tears back, y'all. The harvest is ready. It requires some hard work and some sacrifice. It requires us being willing to be courageous and go all in. But the workers, people who are willing to say yes, there seems to be too few of. And maybe just maybe this is your invitation where God is saying, will you say yes to me today? Maybe say yes to actually his lordship. Some of you, it's to say yes to finally recognizing that serving isn't beneath you and you want to participate in the family. We have a great group of people who serve week in and week out, it's true. But there's still more harvest to be done and we need more laborers and workers who are willing to participate. Not just here, but abound and abroad. But more than anything, Jesus is looking at you saying, will you say yes? Will you acknowledge me? Will you give me your affection, your allegiance, and your treasure and just say yes to me in my life? You may not know it all. You may not understand it all, but you'll learn as you go. And as you go, you can teach someone else what you know. And together we can see the harvest in this area, this land, this region where people can come to a knowledge and an understanding of a relationship with God because of you and because of me and because of our yes. Would you stand as we come to the table of the Lord? Go ahead and open up the elements. You can get the bread out and then flip it over and you can open the juice up and just hold on to it. If you're at home, just grab anything you've got nearby. Some coffee, a donut, cinnamon roll, whatever you got. Just grab something. And when you have it open, would you just pause before the Lord? And maybe this is your moment of actual repentance 
and your recognition that he is king and you want to make him king. And so for you, you're about to take these elements and it's an act of faith and surrender to say, Jesus, I want you to be my king. And that's amazing. Some of you are saying yes in a different way. You know that the Lord is asking you and challenging you to lay aside some of your own things and he's speaking to you and you're just going to give him another yes today. And that's amazing. But would you just pause and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? And just listen. Take 15 seconds. You pray that little prayer before the Lord. Father, as we stand here with this bread and this juice, which represents your body, and your blood we recognize Lord that as we take these elements we are taking into us what represents your life and your body so that as we go from this place we can be filled with your life in which we give away to others so that we can go live as ambassadors embodying what it looks like to represent you as king in our life in its entirety. Lord, I I believe that you're drawing many of us into a deeper relationship with you, into another place of service and sacrifice, into a moment of real surrender today. And so, Lord, as we stand here, may we respond in obedience to whatever it is that you said to us. And we seal that commitment, we seal that response by taking the bread and the juice together. We thank you for your body, which is broken for us. Let's take the bread together. And Lord, we thank you for your blood that was poured out, giving us your forgiveness, your life, so that we could pour out your forgiveness in your life to others around us as well. Let's remember the Lord and take the cup. Jesus, I thank you for your family here at Faith Church and those even watching online. Lord, I pray that you would bless and keep them. Lord, I pray that you would make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. I pray you would lift your countenance towards them and give them just a true sense of peace. I pray, Lord, that everywhere we go, we would remember that we are your ambassadors. We don't have to be burdened. We can be tender and tactful. And Lord, that we can be courageous because you live and abide in us. We thank you for it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And all the people of God said, amen. Before you move, two things. One, maybe you need prayer. You need some ministry, something the Lord's doing. Would you be courageous enough to step out and move towards uh, my left, your right, when we dismiss in a minute, and just allow our team to pray with you. They would love that opportunity. Second thing, some of you are ready to take a next step. You're ready to get involved, maybe? Growth Track is your next step. You can sign up today right at the kiosk or on our central hub. Growth Track starts next Sunday, and we welcome you to do that if you'd like. We love you. Have a great Sunday, you guys. Go in God's grace and peace. You are loved. 
Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.